0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of Mr. B and McKee. I'm Mr. B. I'm McKee. And today we're going to be answering an age old question Which movie is better, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? We've taken bold stances on each movie, and today we're going to flesh out and see which one is better.
1: Yeah. I thought both movies were good, but I thought one was better than the other, but that's my opinion. The movies were both really good. I liked them. It wasn't a movie where they weren't movies where I was sitting there and was like, "Please just end this now." It was, "Oh cool, this is happening," or "Oh look, something else has happened."
0: Yeah, and I think that's like really interesting with like a like a like movies that are led by child a child actor where the main character is a child actor, and that can go like a bunch of different ways. But, like, everybody is captivating. There's not a shortage of witty comedy. It's fresh all the time. And it never really is um, – it never loses you. It always keeps you. It's very paced very well. And so let's get into – because I think that Home Alone 2 is better. And you think that Home Alone 1 is better. And yeah. you definitely have to, like, have a favorite. So let's go into Home Alone 1, all right? What was your feel about this movie?
1: I feel like this one is a bit of a holiday classic, especially for me. i watched it a lot, like, as I was growing up. Still I'm growing up, but I've still watched it a lot. And, like, I enjoy this one. This one is fun to me.
0: Yeah, that's like the best thing that a Christmas movie can be. Just good fun. What I think is great about this one is that you're basically getting to live out a child's fantasy. And like, there's no shortage of like possibility with that. And then there's the humor is so witty and fun. Um, And the characters are just great. And and like, all the characters are memorable. There's not like a side character that is just like, oh yeah, he's there. Everybody is very distinct. On the flip side, though, there is a lot to this movie that you kind of just have to accept. Like, there's a lot of scenes where things just play out in a way that, okay, that would never happen in real life, but it's fine. It's a movie. I get that, and it's just a lot of conveniences. And that was like my general feel of this movie. So let's move into the positive aspects. What did you think?
1: I thought that Macaulay Culkin did a really good job. Like he, the Kevin, is clearly meant to be like this little spastic smart Alec of a what 10 year old
0: yeah i think he was he's 10 10? yeah
1: and he just does such a good job with it mm-hmm. like what like i think it was the beginning he's talking to his dad and he says i made something out of fish hooks and the dad goes my new fish hooks can't make them with the old ones they got fish guts all over <laughs> it's like comments like that
0: yeah like sometimes it's like- just a testament to how like clever they've written him as and like how well Macaulay can portray that I totally agree yeah what else uh,
1: I also thought that Joe Pesci did a decent job like a good job you could tell something was off from the start when like, he smiles at Ke- I think it's Kevin he smiles at him and you're like something is not right here
0: mm-hmm. like as you've never seen Joe Pesci play a cop you just don't know yeah.
1: happen and he looks like he's in pain when he's smiling at him too <laughs>
0: All right. And what else?
1: Um, I also thought that the siblings all did a good job. Like, the various family members did a good job. It seems they all hate Kevin to some extent, but they're super helpful when they need to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, definitely. Absolutely. And it's hilarious how, like, relatable it can be. Like, I have two brothers, and the dynamic is a lot like that. Where the big ones are beaten down the little ones and the little one's a brat i i i admit i can be a brat but (laughs) but um and it's yeah it's very believable there's not a character in these similar siblings so you can believe that they're a family i like that too
1: so what else old man marley you always that's always such a fun thing for me Mm. because like at the beginning you're like He probably did kill somebody.
0: Yeah, he definitely could. He definitely can pull off that kind of look.
1: And then you get to like... Right before the final... 20 minutes or so. And you start to feel bad for him. Mm -hmm. You're like... He's like, my son is estranged. I haven't talked to him. I can't see my granddaughter. So you didn't kill your family. Yeah. So...
0: Was that all the positive aspects you had?
1: Uh, I had a lot of like things I liked, but it's more specific things that we could oh, talk about least, later.
0: But please get into it as, as much as you want. I'd I'd love to talk about that.
1: Uh, I liked the running joke at the beginning about everybody taking out that statue and that they have out front. Like everybody's pulling up to their house, and they just keep hitting that one statue that's right by the door.
0: Yeah, that's it's such a funny like little running gag that they have. And, like, it even picks up in the second one, if you notice. Yeah, I saw that. Like, in the beginning of the second one, and, they the, like, the first car misses it, but then the second car hits it. Just boom. And that, it's like, it's like okay, they're not going to do that gag, but then they do it again. But that's just getting into the second one. So, continue.
1: The sequence of them running around, getting out of town was really cool. It was, like, kind of funny to me.
0: Yeah. And I, like, Especially- sped up, like, the uh, the camera a little bit. Yeah.
1: That was funny. And there's the scene in the airport where she realizes that, like, kind of in the airport, where they, like, kick the lady off the phone. She's like, get out. That oh, Get out of here.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's interesting because, like, a mother will do anything. To, like, yeah. and kick off a French lady off the phone. That was funny.
1: I thought the chase scene with the cop when he takes the toothbrush was kind of funny. How he just kind of, like, slid under everybody and the cop was trying to, like, run after him. Mm-hmm. And then that John Candy cameo was awesome. Yeah, he, I liked that. John Candy's hilarious.
0: He's he's a treasure. He's a treasure.
1: Yeah. And then I really like that entire like the last I think twenty minutes or so where he's defending the house mm-hmm. against Harry and Marv.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like a great third act. It's, yeah. like it, it's it's iconic. It's totally iconic.
1: Yeah. What about you? Did you like have that? anything that you liked? What's that? Did you have anything that you liked? Oh, I have, like, yeah.
0: So, my thing with this movie was the casting is so great. Catherine O'Hara does a great job. She's super believable as a mom. She's you're, she's managing a lot. And then she gets really stressed out. And then, like, what she realizes Kevin's gone. She's like, oh, my gosh, I have to get back to my son. And that was really great. It was very, It played out very nicely. Joe Pesci... I think this is his worst nightmare because he's stuck in a PG movie and Joe Pesci is like very well known for his like kind of um uh very like um harsh language shall we say
1: yeah there was like a fun fact I saw that him and Daniel Stern had a very hard time not cursing
0: yes and like so when he goes like that is just like it's, it's just it's just fun to see him in like a kid's movie you never see that. And that was just great. I loved, he was a great addition. And then with Kevin, he is like, this was like the perfect person to cast, Macaulay Culkin. He was the, I'm not a big fan of child actors. I know they're necessary and all that. But like, there are a few that I think that can pull off a role well enough that I like the character. Macaulay Culkin does a great job. They have written him as this very witty kid. He's very sassy. He, um very clever. He knows like more than not necessarily like he's a genius but like he's clever he's got tricks and stuff like that he knows he knows what's going on and then and i just thought that was great and then i also thought that john candy candy was great i thought it was funny how he plays two similar characters within this one and then planes trains and automobiles if you've seen that one you know he's um he plays like the um kind of overbearingly nice guy but he like can like um, rub off the wrong way sometimes and i just thought that was great and from a writing standpoint i've already talked about how kevin was great but he actually gets a character arc he goes from the selfish brat who all his siblings hate his mom is like having a hard time with him and then as the film goes on he kind of learns a little bit like okay i've been a brat I think I need to change this. And he becomes this kind of, like, self-sufficient person, some very kind person. He knows, like, he's learned how to, like, do laundry. Like,
1: in the... And go shopping at the grocery store.
0: In the beginning, he's like, no, you're completely helpless. But then he, over the course of the film, he learns all this stuff. So he's kind of, like, learning. And from... About the Wet Bandits, they're just a hilarious duo. You've got Marv, who's the dummy, and Harry, who's the irritated straight man. And they're just they like balance each other very well. And with old man Marley, he's an awesome little subversion of expectations. You think he's this like old grump like um old grumpy man who's like a suspected killer. And then when you move into the like the beginning of the third act, the end of the second act to the beginning of the third act, he's this really nice guy who's just misunderstood. He has and it's actually a very good message, like Okay, you can't judge people about what you hear. You have to like sort it out for yourself. You have to see these person, how this person is like in real life, not just what you've heard. And I thought that was really nice, and I thought everything tied together very narce, nice, <laughs> very nicely. And old man Marley shows his uses. He uses his snow shovel against the bad guys, which I thought was very symbolic of like perceived evil, which is old man Marley defeating actual evil with the wet bandits. And it yeah. just I liked that, and then Kevin gets his family back on Christmas, and Old Man Marley, is it Marley or Murphy? I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting my notes mixed up. Um, I mean we'll edit this up, but, um, but yeah, Old Man Marley reunites with his son, and that I just thought it all tied together very nicely, and the events that lead to Kevin being home alone—they're ridiculous but they're just ridiculous enough to work. And I thought that was, it was just, it was a yeah. fun ride.
1: It wasn't like they were stretching it. Like, it's like, yes. there's no way that happens.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like, this this could actually
1: happen. This could happen. Rushing it's, the house.
0: Like, it's holding on by a thin thread, but it could definitely happen. And then right. the music, just really quickly, the music is great. John Williams is like, this is not a role you think John Williams would take on with, home, with a kid's movie but it is just great and it's become one of his classics yeah. so let's move into the negative things what did you think about the, um,
1: this movie the negative of light what did i think um i thought that i didn't like how unrealistic it got at times with defending the house like i liked it was a great i thought it was a great sequence but like somebody would look at that like I- Robert would look at that and go, Yeah. Maybe we should be more on our toes. Yeah, Maybe or... there's more traps here.
0: Yeah, and like they like I love this this one thing that Marv goes into the house wearing gloves without fin- like without fingers on them. So he's like he's got bare fingers that will leave fingerprints and you're like, Okay, come on. He wouldn't do that. But yeah, I get that totally. And like
1: also, I want to, I don't know how to word this. The scene with the kid at the beginning, their neighbor, mm-hmm. I think he's their neighbor, and they're like, we're going to go to Florida. Mm-hmm. The, who was that? Like, was it his, was it Kevin's cousin or something? Like, patted this kid on the head when
0: No, 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 11, is, if I may, this is when uh, his neighbor shows up and that's meant to um so when they do the head count he's there back turned they don't realize it's not kevin they pat him on the head they miscount they leave kevin behind it's just a little tool to like um help the plot um go on
1: yeah that's true and like also i think that his uncle the one un- uncle frank was like really mean to him mm-hmm he was like look what you did you little and i don't remember what he calls him but he's jerk. like you little jerk yeah and then he just does nothing to help at the like while they're trying to find him he's just like mm-hmm. i'm gonna sit here and watch tv
0: yeah if my I,
1: nephew's at home alone i'm gonna watch tv mm-hmm.
0: if i might say if i might say uh i don't think that's very much a negative aspect it's definitely something you can dislike He's not meant to be, like, a character that is redeeming. He'd, he's not meant to get a big character on. He's a side character. But I think... I like uh, Uncle Frank. I, I think he's, like, this um, kind of selfish... You're absolutely right. He's a selfish, like, mean uncle. But you can't really fault the movie for that. That's what it's going for.
1: But, like, that, those were the only things I found negative. Like, I wasn't... Yeah, get no, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So what I thought
0: the biggest problem this movie is that there's just too many things that make you go, huh? Like I, I totally agree. Like they were stretching a little thing, a couple little things. Not so much leading to um where Kevin is left alone, but like throughout the course of the whole movie, like when they go to the shop and he takes a toothbrush, it's a lone child taking a toothbrush, and you're making such a big deal out of it. I understand. If it was like I don't know jewelry or something like that, but he's a little kid. He's taking a toothbrush. I mean, come on, don't call the cops on him. Sort it out for yourself. And then I also thought it was weird how the um, the Santa, like the um, the store Santa, like he hears this kid wish for his family back. He physically, like the Santa, physically, like is shown to think that. It's strange that this kid is asking for his family back, but he just gets in his car and doesn't do anything about it. I'm like, okay. That's a little weird. And then why wouldn't Kevin just call the police in the first place when he knew that the wet bandits were coming? That part didn't make sense to me. And leading into that, I felt that his whole battle plan with, saying the traps and everything, it isn't very established well. We've seen that he's clever. But the idea that he could set all these super elaborate traps and like kind of like hurt these people like really badly, it definitely comes out of nowhere. If we had seen, because we've seen Kevin like set up, like um, we saw him set up the uh, the little show with all his um, like the man, with the
1: firecrackers too. Well,
0: yeah, but nobody was getting hurt then, and it wasn't totally elaborate. And we've seen him do, like, these, like, clever little tricks here and there. But nothing so, like... hmm. Like, there's this theory that um, Kevin, like, grew up to become Saw. And you definitely get that from the ending. But from the beginning, you don't get that. And I thought, like, as weird as it sounds, like, I wish they would have, like, have Kevin set more traps in like the beginning because then the ending would have been a little bit more, more believable for me. And then with the mom, Catherine Ryan here, I think does a great job. She's written very well, but the whole, she and Kevin, their relationship and their whole relationship with the family is the emotional centerpiece of this story. And the whole importance and power of Kevin's mom struggle to get home in time to like, not necessarily to get home in time, but like just to get home to Kevin, it's totally undercut because the family gets there the same time as her.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to say. And then the family gets home at the same time she does.
0: Yeah. And it's like, if they had just waited even a little bit longer, just like even an hour more to have the family come in, I think that would have been more powerful because, because suppose that she didn't go through all this stuff to get to Kevin, um on that day and they took the um the flight that the family took instead and they she would have gotten there the exact same time so all this stuff she's been doing it means nothing and so basically everything she's done for the entire movie has been pointless and i thought that was like a that was a big drawback for me but overall this movie is just great you there's nothing that's so bad about this movie that you can't like enjoy it. It's very pleasant. There's only just a few little nitpicks here and there for me. Okay. And so, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Generally, I think that this is just an amazing movie because everything you love about Home Alone 1 is dialed up to like 11. Uh, this movie comes up with like new and different ways to make you laugh. The setting is great. And in many ways, it's a story about what excess looks to a little child. But on the flip side, this movie is, by nature, bigger than the first one. And as a consequence of that, the flaws the first one had are amplified. What did you think generally about this movie?
1: I didn't mind it. I felt that it was essentially a repetition of the first one. Like, he gets separated from his family. Mm-hmm. Harry and Marv show up mm-hmm. that's a problem. They somehow tell him what they're going to do. He stops them and then he finds his family by the end of the movie mm-hmm. and thrown in there is some creepy older person
0: yeah I, I definitely I definitely agree with you on that and some a lot and repetition is almost like full-on repetition is never good in a movie you want something fresh and something new and i think that this movie actually did enough where it didn't seem like just a rehash of the original so i i did enjoy that so let's move into the positive aspects um so first of all i think that this one came in and didn't lose any of the wit it's funny the humor is, um, it's not baseline humor. It's not fart gags and stuff like that. It's clever in the way it makes you laugh. And I very much appreciate that. It, it's its similar to the first one in that regard. And it definitely stays true to the original, which would, yeah. it's not like a totally different movie, but it's not a total rehash of the original, as I said earlier.
1: Can I add something to the joke, to like the witty yeah. part of it? I, there was a joke in there, and Kevin. They're, like, sitting in the car, and she's like, where's Kevin? And he just plops in the front seat and is like... That was awesome. It's a good thing I have a ticket in case you guys tried to ditch me.
0: That Yeah, exactly. And, like, the stuff like that is just, like, it like gets your heart racing for a second, and then he comes in and relieves the tension. And, it's, and humor like that is great. I love that. And somehow the events leading to Kevin and his family being separated are somehow more believable in this one. Just a little bit, but it was fascinating how I just thought that, like, the first one was stretching it a little bit. This one, where he just gets separated by the flight, I thought was more believable. And when they go to New York, that is just a great setting. It's bigger than the original, definitely. But you can um, you can sort of keep Kevin in, like, these different places so he's not roaming New York City the entire time. He goes to the plaza, he goes to his uncle's house, he goes to Central Park. So he's it's very much contained, but it's also, like, um, it's very broad in its setting. So that was great. And then the continued gags were nice. I liked Angels with even filthier souls. That was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Tim Curry comes in. That was awesome. And then I thought that the Sticky Bandits, the Wet Bandits, going into the Sticky Bandits... In this one, I thought they had a more believable goal. In the first one, they're targeting just one house. And it's not even like a big mansion. They are, they're assuming what is in the house. They don't know for certain. They can go in the house and there's nothing there. So yeah. it was a little bit of a stretch for me to like believe that they would get um, so caught up with just one house and they're like these quote-unquote professional bandits. And in this one there's this clever little plot about them robbing a toy store. And I, that was just like an interesting little concept. And it's, to me, it makes more sense than just one house. Yeah. And this movie is also very visually appealing. It's very colorful. It's very vibrant. There's a lot going on in the background, but it's not too much that you can't focus on what's going on. And then Kevin is actually doing something noble by defending the toy store at the, um, at the end of the movie. And so it's not just he's defending his house, but he's defending like a cause. He's defending the people in the uh the children's hospital. And I thought that was great. Yeah. And also with this with the sticky bandits, they're more involved. They're like pushing the plot more, I thought. Because Kevin has in the in the uh, first or the original, Kevin really doesn't interact with the um with the wet bandits until like prior
1: to them going into his house.
0: That's just right. Like- but in this one, they meet up a couple of times. And I just thought like, it was better to have your antagonist a little bit more involved with the protagonist. And I thought that was good. And then in this one, I think the best thing that this movie does is correct big, the big mistake in the first one with Kevin's mom. Like the part where Kevin reunites with his mom, this one is executed much better. Because instead of the mom finding him, then the family shows up right after, she's searching for him. And then she remembers something very distinct about him, that he loves Christmas trees. So she goes there to find him. And when she does, she's the one to bring him back to the family, not the family finds Kevin with her. And I thought that was just great execution. And as far as casting goes, everyone's back, everyone's still great. And then the new additions are very a very good compliment to the cast. Like Tim Curry, I thought was a standout. He was just kind of this snobby, Like, um, like uh, snobby character who is like trying to like, um, who's in Kevin's way.
1: Let's put it like, and I just—I thought it was so funny when he's getting them out of his room when he's running away from when Kevin.
0: Yes, and he has to go.
1: I love you. No, and they're crawling away, and everybody's looking at them, and he just yells, "There is a crazy man with a gun."
0: Yeah, that was that was great. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's like my favorite scene from that movie, I have to say. And so what did you think positively about this movie?
1: Um, I thought it was good that they kept the statue joke in there at the beginning mm-hmm. as we said earlier. They missed it the first time, just boom. The second time.
0: Yeah. That's a good it's a great way to continue with gags but in a way that your audience feels, okay, are they going to do this? Okay, it looks like they're not going to do this. Oh, they hit it again. Yeah, I, I, thought, yeah I, I totally agree. What else?
1: I thought that that scene with Buzz, where it's like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, mm-hmm. I feel so bad that I did this. It was ill time. Yeah. And then he immediately looks at Kevin and goes, you little snot.
0: I know you guys, you little trout sniffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just... Another like thing about that is just the wit. is funny, like "Ladies and Gentlemen of the Jury." I think that's a that's a really good example of how clever this movie is. Absolutely.
1: And also the scene with the recorder in the bathroom. Oh my god! <laughs> he recorded his uncle, and uh... then in the hotel room he plays it again against Tim Curry, and is like, "Get out of here before I slap you, silly." Mm-hmm. And then also I liked that the traps got a bit more elaborate. Like, this was so much more elaborate Mm -hmm. than what he did last time. He was like, oh, I'm going to throw cars on the ground in the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one, he's like, oh, there's a giant hole. I'm going to get them to go in that giant hole.
0: Yeah. And to add on to that, I think that's a really good example of how this movie goes bigger than the original. And how everything is just dialed up a little bit. And... That's definitely with the traps, cause like, and then there's like the scenes where like they're pulling on the light bulbs to see if like there's something hanging around to fall on them, and they have to like they're like little uh, ducking out of like caution, yeah. and then like they get careless, and the one light bulb that they don't really check lights them on fire. It, it, it's it's a little nice subversion of expectations. I
1: like that. No. Yeah. And also they do that with the paint cans. He's like, what happened last time? We tried to go up the stairs. He got hit in the head with a paint can. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's pretend like we didn't, like we got hit with the paint can. Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, oh, hey, they actually did it. Yeah. Never mind. Boom. He hits them with, I don't know what you call that.
0: Yeah, that's like a column that you would put in your stairs to like hold up the rail, I think. I'm not sure. But yeah, that that was his, yeah. And that's another thing, like, with the continued gags, they're adding stuff on. That was great. I enjoyed that, too.
1: And, like, the... The scene with the tip was funny. Where he's like, give me a tip. And Kevin hands him a stick of gum. hmm And then when he comes back, he's like, you want a tip? No, I've got enough. And Kevin pulls out this, like, wad of cash. And then... Rob I think it's Rob Schneider. He comes back at the like the very end of the movie and but and he goes, You got a tip for me? And it's Buzz and Buzz takes the gum out of his mouth mm-hmm. and goes, Here you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice family. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, I totally agree.
1: And that's like what I liked about it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um and so for the what was Not so great with this movie. I definitely think that this movie has less flaws than the original, but just a couple of things like the pigeon lady, she's not as strong of a character as old man Marley was, and she still brings a little bit of a little good emotion, but it's just not, it's not like it doesn't give you the same, uh, like feeling that old man Marley gave you because you're expecting it that way. One thing, and then Kevin's mom has a little bit less to do in the middle, but she does get a good, very good ending. So I appreciate that. But
1: that scene off. with the cop where they're in the airport and he's like, "Has the child ever run away from home?" Yeah. No.
0: Has the child ever has... been behind? I... Well, there was this one. Incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That. So, what did you think?
1: Um, I felt like it was a big. As I said earlier, it was a bit of a repetition of the first one. Mm-hmm. There, there's some ter- there's some parenting issues, I think, in that house. Like, how do you lose the same kid twice? How do you not go like, okay, and especially when they're running, don't put Kevin behind you. Pick him up or have him run in front of you.
0: Yeah.
1: Don't have, have him behind are... you digging through a bag. Yeah, I feel like the first rule pay attention.
0: Yeah, I feel like the first rule of parenting would be, don't let your child get left behind. You always keep them in eyesight. But yeah, yeah. so I definitely agree with you there.
1: Um, I didn't like how they hid in the fish truck and nobody saw them. Mm-hmm. Like they clearly had to get in there at some point, and nobody saw them. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Yeah, and like as you said, the pigeon lady is clearly meant to be like an old man Marley kind of character. Mm-hmm. and i just have one issue with the traps how in the world did marv not die like he got hit in the head repeatedly with a brick and sure you might be able to live through that but then like 20 minutes later he immediately holds like straight electric nodes for about 20 minutes or for like 10 minutes or so
0: mm-hmm. i think that's like a very good example of how this movie does not rely on slapstick comedy but when it uses slapstick comedy it very much embraces like the looney tunes sort of um sort of um template where characters can get big devastating hits but they don't take injury and there's this great video out there with um where it shows you like all the injuries they would sustain and what where they would die basically. And it's like you can you kinda just have to embrace that this is just the science is stretching like the yeah. to how much these characters can take. So yeah, I totally agree with you there, but I do think that you kind of have to go with it a little bit.
1: And also the hotel staff did a terrible job. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as that child checks in, you'd be like, wait a second. Your dad is doing what? Yeah. And he left you here mm-hmm. for who knows how long? And I just got a reservation from you like five minutes ago. Yes, in the real
0: world, reservations take, especially at the Plaza Hotel, they take a little bit longer than like two minutes to like register. Yeah. And with the hotel staff, it's definitely a good example of how Home Alone movies stretch things and it, it, it kind of is a personal thing with people so either you, you can believe it or you can't believe it obviously there are instances where they go a little bit overboard with the stretching but
1: yeah. well those were my problems with the movie did you have anything that was like you didn't like I guess
0: well I've already stated my negative aspects but um. Uh, that's true uh, so yeah, quickly our little outro, shall we? Our ending arguments. Overall, these are great movies, but Home Alone One has a couple things that are just hold it back for me. Home Alone Two, though, even though it has flaws, of course, it's, just, it's, it's, I think what the first one did good, this one does great. And I think it definitely had the benefit of being the sequel, but what's hard about a sequel is making a movie that is both true to the original and something different. And I think that this one did like had a very good balance of doing, uh, doing right by the original and also adding a good bit of new content. And so and in the end, I think that Home Alone 2 Lost in New York is better than Home Alone 1.
1: I agree with what you said about them both being good movies. And, like, it's very good. I enjoy them both. But I feel like Home Alone 2, the traps, while more elaborate, seem a little unrealistic at times. And it's also very repetitive of the first one. Mm -hmm. Like, throughout it, as you watch it, you're like, oh, yeah, that happened in the first one. But Home Alone, the original Home Alone, you see everything for the first time. You're not like, "Huh, saw that before." You're like, "Oh, cool! This kid's about to like take care of business with this with these traps."
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the original definitely has the benefit of doing something that people have not seen before, and then the sequel kind of it could definitely be interpreted as a rehash in some areas. I definitely get what you're saying there. All right. That was our take on Home Alone. Thank you for listening, and hope to see you back on Mr. B. and McKee soon.
1: Mr. B. and McKee is a product of the Maris Podcasting Club. It is produced by... William Fenstermacher, and hosted by Tommy Bizzuto and Jackson McKee. Executive producer is also William Fenstermacher. Senior engineer is Tyler Morgan. The theme song is The Duel by Benjamin Tissot, used under the Creative Commons for a license. Find it at Incomptech.com or linked on our website. The views expressed here are the views of the hosts and panelists and do not reflect the views of Mary School or the Society of Morgan.